With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Outside your window still may not be great right now, but here on post show recaps, everything is Superman 2. It's Superman 2 here on post show recaps. It's the second week of our Christopher Reeve Superman coverage on post show recaps. I'm Josh Wiggler, and I'm joined here by a man who would sell all of us down the river for Australia, Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, how's it going? Uh, listen, I have an affinity to beachfront property, so Australia <laughs> is all beachfront. Australia! Uh, yeah, Australia! Yeah. Uh, and not for nothing, a- too, Kevin, <laughs> that line, Australia, came about, uh, I think roughly one scene after Christopher Reeve says, I have to go back! <laughs> oh, no! God! Uh, anyway. The second one has a lost <laughs> reference. <laughs> I didn't mean to, unless it's time travel. I mean, they were filming in the late 70s, right? Uh, so it's roughly this around the time 80, of the. I think. Well, yeah, it I came guess, out yeah, eighty. Been, yeah, yeah, it came out eighty. The filming is a very good question for this because there is a lot of backstory here about the filming of this movie. So yes, the filming is definitely late seventies and happened twice basically mm-hmm. <laughs> unbelievable yeah there's definitely production stuff we want to talk about here for sure uh i watched the theatrical superman 2 which is credited to director richard lester uh kevin watched that as well in addition to the infamous donner cut uh which is uh restoring richard donner's original vision for superman 2 i did not see that i know kevin you're gonna have a lot of notes from watching both versions of the two you did te- you teased for me uh coming onto the podcast that there is for sure a superior version of the two so that's exciting i'd love to talk about that um but we'll get into all that as we are on week two of a four-week superman odyssey to fill in the gap between uh now and the start of loki on disney plus uh coming your way june 9th our loki recap will be coming your way uh the fridays after those wednesday drops so we're getting close we've got a lot of superman to keep us company in the meanwhile even in other occasional super heroic jaunts in the form of the poster recaps patron feed last week as promised we had uh our recap of the first season of amazon's invincible uh if you have watched that show and you want to hear kevin and i talk about it that podcast is indeed available for you in the poster recaps patron feed at that five dollar level patreon.com slash 
Post show recaps is patreon.com slash post show recaps. You get that invincible recap. You also get Kevin Mahadeo talking about Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Quack, 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 quack. With Melissa each and every week. So definitely tune in. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. You are supporting your favorite podcast because I assume this is it. How could it not be? <laughs> this is the one. It's got to be. Yeah. Thanks for being. Thanks, thanks for uh, us being your favorite. I'm sorry. If I am your favorite, that's a bit rough. Uh, I apologize for whatever life you might be leading that led to that. Don't apologize (laughs) for anything, Kevin. Everything is Superman. All right. Before (laughs) we get into some Superman, I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsors for this episode of Everything is Super. Those are our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know it's easy. Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Kevin Mahadeo, here we are. It's uh, it's our second week of Superman. It's Superman 2. It is the movie where... Uh, most people kneel before Superman too. Uh, yes, kneel before, <laughs> kneel before me, Superman, son of Jarrell. You will kneel before You'll me. Kneel before uh, me, son it's of great. Jarrell. Like this one's interesting, right? Because this is the one that everyone has said like this is the best one of of the quadrilogy. Um, this is the one as a kid I definitely loved as my favorite. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting revisiting it. Um, I had only seen the Donner Cut maybe once or twice before, uh, and I'd seen the Richard Lester version, oh, Jesus Christ, too many times. Yeah. I believe you were watching it on the Discord at one point. You said I'm 29 minutes in, and I was just like, uh, so what, that's on the moon? Yeah, you, and you knew. were just like, yeah. <laughs> we were talking. I was like, I'm, Kevin, I'm a half hour in. I think I'm like 26 minutes in. You're like, oh, so you're on the moon. I was like, how did you know that? <laughs> uh, you were I'd right. seen a lot. I'd seen it a lot of times. And so it was interesting revisiting because I do think having watched the first one, having watched the second one um, immediately, ultimately, uh, they're both they're both very good. I love these movies. But I think watching it, I do think from the Lester version, the first one is better. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. I feel so much better. I'm so glad that you said that uh, because I watched Superman 2 the Richard Richard Lester, Robert Lester, yes. Richard Lester, Richard two, Lester. Uh, There's two Richards. Tale of two Richards. Yeah. Oh my God, Kevin went there. Uh, I I was like, oh no, uh, is this like another Spider-Man, Spider-Man two scenario? And indeed, where did his powers go? And so it's like, oh oh gosh, am I going to? At least there was an explanation here, Josh. Am I gonna, okay, let's am start I, there. Am I? Gonna, yeah, but very. Thin. And also, he gets them back after his, you won't be able to get them back unless you have the crystal. In which case, not only can you get them back, but you can actually trap yourself in the chamber and everyone else gets hit with the power. Uh, so, like, I was like, oh no, I'm definitely enjoying it because Christopher Reeve is incredible and he's, he's just so, 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 so good. And Terrence Stamp is, is iconic as General Zod. And Gene Hackman is killing me. The Australia just destroyed me. Uh, and Margot Kidder, are you kidding me? Is so good as Lois Lane. 
but it was like very clearly the inferior of the two movies uh, to me. Like, what are you guys doing? Where's Marlon Brando? Why did you completely cut him out? Like, there's some choices that I felt like I could smell decisions. Uh, Here we go. And so I think I don't know. I I just I just feel I felt I felt like, oh, no, am I going to come on to the Superman two podcast and be like, I like the first one better definitively. And then Kevin's going to be like, you've got no taste. You're a terrible person. You should be uh, blasted out into the sun via the Phantom Zone. And uh, I I'm, I just I'm, I'm breathing a little easier knowing that like <laughs> I'm not just going to get uh, uh, ripped to shreds. But I expect what you'll say is that the Richard Donner Superman 2 is the superior of all three of these films. That is going to be, that is basically my thesis. I think having watched a Donner version as well. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That is, uh, you'll have to explain to me like how it is meaningfully different because it's, it's so, and I do think we we got it meaningfully different. We got to chart some of the production stuff. Yes. Can you set that up? Because I don't think I fully understand it. Yeah. And that's probably a good place to start before we go into the movie, which will probably help us guide us through a discussion and talk about the differences more directly. But, you called out one of the most notable things. And so here's how this all went down. Richard Donner came on to Superman 1. Uh, they had the producers, the Salkins, who Richard Donner was going to do two Superman movies back to back. And so he was filming a lot of Superman 2 while he was doing Superman 1. There was a bunch of scenes, a bunch of um, stuff that was done with the actors because he had both stuff kind of planned out. Him and um, Mario Puzo, uh, who the, the, the writer. So... They had this giant epic they were going to tell, and he was constantly butting heads with the producers who wanted the movie to be a little more goofy, a little more fun, because, again, they, I guess, had this idea of what comics should be, and it's, I guess, closer to Batman 66 than Superman 78 that we got. This is one of those moments where I'm realizing that uh, Mario Puzo of the Godfather fame wrote the Superman movies. Yeah, I believe that is correct, right? Like that's, if, if that's correct. Yes, yes. Co- cool. I didn't uh, get that wrong because I was saying it. Explain like, the Marlon Brando stuff, and it's just like, it? oh, okay, <laughs> all right. I'm getting it now. All right, cool. So they were butting heads constantly, and this is where in in one when we had our discussion on the Superman, first podcast. I told you. <laughs> I'm gonna make you an offer you can't refuse. I'm gonna make you an offer you can't refuse, Superman. You're gonna become human, but um, you're gonna become human. You gotta <laughs> sacrifice it all, Superman. <laughs> I like that you were bringing the lisp in slowly. Yeah. <laughs> like start off with no lisp yeah. as, as, as it went on, you hit the lisp. You gotta um, sacrifice everything, Superman. But this butting of heads is, is where we also see that like they start to use pieces because they weren't sure they're were gonna get it too. So the reversing of time that I mentioned that happened at the end of the first movie that none of us liked is actually supposed to be in the second movie. Um so Donner eventually gets fired from the director's job and at like at what point and by at what point i mean like how much had he already done 80 yeah. percent of superman 2 80 percent was done and he had done like all of the first superman 2 correct yeah the first superman the first super, um, the first superman as well as well got it there you go <laughs> um so here's the thing though in order to get a full director's credit the director's guild essentially says you have to film at least 50 percent of a movie if they had 80 percent and they just did the last 20 percent richard lesser couldn't get credit so they had to refilm and change a bunch of stuff so a new 50% of the movie was filmed. New alternate takes were done for some of the movie that already existed. And they basically put together this version of Superman 2 that was a theatrical cut. They inserted a lot more comedy and jokes, which 
weren't great. Yeah. They chopped up a lot of stuff. They changed a lot of character stuff that that is different. But the most notable, notable difference is probably seen at the very beginning of this movie. Because, as you said, where is Marlon Brando? Yeah, he's gone. There's zero Jor-El, who is a major character in Superman's life. They replaced it with Lara, which, you know, that's fair. But... Brando was such a big part of this film because, you know, Jor-El was the connection to Krypton for Superman. What happened there was also part of production. So this is the little last insight that we can talk about here about the production was. Basically, as the story goes, Brando had a deal to to receive profits from the film. He would get a percentage cut from the money the movie made. The movie made a F-ton of money. And from what is, again... The story goes, the Salkins didn't want to give him a lot of that money. And so Brando sued them, and he won, because of course he did. And so he got a bunch of money, they got really pissed, and they removed him. They're like, you're not in this movie, screw you, you're out. And so when they were doing reshoots... Out, am I? Well, here's the fun part, too. When they were doing the reshoots, and when they were trying to film new scenes... Gene Hackman was pissed what they did to Brando, and he said, I'm not coming back. Screw you. So a lot of the Gene Hackman stuff, they had to use some scenes with body doubles from the back for him, like, because he didn't come back for reshoots. He refused, which kudos to him. Uh, I believe, like, Kidder and, and Reeve, they're, like, under hard contract. Yeah, they're, sure. They're, and they're, they don't have the power of Gene Hackman at this time, right? Like, Gene Hackman was a person. Yeah. Um, so... That's a lot of the of the changes and the reasons that the Salkins now having more creative control wanted to make it a little more silly in parts. Um, they changed a lot. They had to reshoot a lot. You don't have Brando. You don't have Hackman. Um, so that explains a lot of the the backstory. And then many, many, many moons later, um, there was always a legend of the of the Donner version, the scenes that were never filmed. And in the Warner Brothers vault, they found a lot of this footage. And they approached Donner, they had a conversation, they mended some bridges there, and they basically allowed, you know, him and some editors and stuff to put together a version of the film as he as best as they could. Because again, you only have so much, it's old footage. And they put together the version as close as it could be to what he wanted. And it is crazy because it is a superior version. And my God, it <laughs> I wish, I wish we got the full version of it. It's so good that it's just like, God damn, I that, like, yeah. really wish that he had the opportunity to make it as he did. Because um, it feels pretty disjointed. It, like, it, like, I at least really did feel that. And I don't know if I, if I would have felt it if I didn't know that there were, like, uh, behind the scenes issues. I, I feel like I would have noticed that Jarrell is completely absent uh, because... His absence is really felt thematically when this is the movie that's about answering Jor-El's like last act as a Kryptonian other than saving Kal-El. Uh, it's a, all about like the condemnation and incarceration in the Phantom Zone of, of Zod and Nan and Ursa and they come back and Zod coming face to face with the son of Jor-El, which feels at least in this one. And you tell me if it's if it feels deeper in the sequel feels really light in um the theatrical cut like i feel like it's not as heavy as it ought to be uh it feels like they don't address it the way that it would have been addressed especially if they could have um used some more of marlon brando in the film it just feels like there is an entire critical thematic and character element that is 
gone here. And yeah, it's great that we see more of Superman's mother, that we see more of Lara. That's awesome. But like Jor-El was Zod's sworn enemy. And in the first movie, Zod says, I'm going to hold you personally accountable. And so he has Superman dead to rights a few times in this movie, but like you're not feeling that history there, at least in the way that the the, the Lester cut, the theatrical cut goes. Um, and I've never seen this movie as a thinking, feeling adult. Uh, you know, <laughs> the last time I saw Superman 2 was as a kid, for sure. And I think single digits would be my guess. Um, there are elements of this that felt like very lived in. Um, I will I will. You know how like sometimes like you hear phrases and then you have like visual connectors in your mind's eye that like have like basically nothing to do with the phrase. But for whatever reason, they are like linked. Yeah. Uh, So like for me, this is so weird. Um, I will never forget Lois Lane turning around and say, you're kind of a pain in the neck neck. to Ursa. She punches her down into the fortress of solitude. And for me, for whatever reason, I always visualized a sliced pickle. That's uh, very odd. Yeah, but. <laughs> I have no idea why. But like as a kid, like I was like, ah, oh, pain in the neck. That probably looks like a sliced pickle, uh, like a little <laughs> tiny slice of pickle that you'd put on like a Burger King sandwich. Uh, yeah. And so for whatever reason, like that is indelibly ingrained in my mind. And the whole battle at the Fortress of Solitude, like that, I remembered them all being there. Um, <laughs> but like as somebody who like appreciates movies at a, at a different, in a different way uh, these days than when I was thinking about pickles while watching Lois Lane knock out Ursa, it is to me, there, there are things that are missing that are preventing it from being a great film. Superman two. Um, yeah. And I think ultimately, right. Superman two is still a good film. I think there's, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but you are right. Like as, especially watching it now, first Superman had like one thing. It was the ending was not great. The ending is not great. Superman two has a few things that are not working for me. Right. And I think a lot of that again is the biggest one. I I do agree as an adult watching it again, separating myself from it. The pacing is is way off. The pacing is a mess. And I think a lot of that again is attributed to the production. Um, And a lot of stuff, like you said, the stuff with Jarrell does feel disconnected because he's not there. He's, he's, there's so much more. There's so much more with him in the Donner cut. And I think it lends itself to, to a lot of not even direct connection to Zod, but like the presence of him and his, when he talks about Zod at one point, like it all brings it back together. Even the beginning, like if this leads us into how, how we talk about the movie piece by piece, I think this is, this is where what you're saying makes total sense because in the beginning of the Lester version, they're showing that scene on Krypton, but there's no Jor-El. There's some other weird voice talking about them. And then you just see the floating heads and you're just like, even in that moment, you're like, Okay, that's weird that he's not there for Where this. That they're he? showing this scene, um, and in the in the you know in the Donner cut to talk off immediately, like yeah, it's the real scene. It's the scene from the first. Jorel is there. He's the one explaining the crimes. He's the one erect, uh, interacting with Zod right back and forth in those moments. Um, and this is where things get wonky and interesting, you know, because. The movie kicks off from there. Once they hit the Phantom Zone, the movie essentially kicks off, right? And the I will say, I did like the main credits over events from the first movie that they did. 
I don't know how you felt about that, but I was kind of into it. I'm always a sucker for like, here's the recap and during the credits oh, so now I, you know what happened. I, I loved it for a very specific reason. I loved it because it gave me an automatic uh, like five minutes of the movie that I could fast forward through. <laughs> it bought me some time, which I appreciated. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know, um, I, had, I had just watched it, you know, and so I was like, I'm good. Uh, I, I would have appreciated it in the movies for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so the Lester, that's the Lester version. They're doing a recap of the first movie. Sure. Even here, the Donner cut is immediately different because, as mentioned, the Donner ending to Superman 1 was different. So they wanted to show that. And I think it's really interesting because, like, so you have the scene with Jarrell, you have Krypton happen, you see the rocket uh, fly out of Krypton, and it sees as Krypton explodes and the rocket is going, you see the Phantom Zone criminals, like, as the rocket passes, and a wave of Krypton essentially throws them into the trail of the rocket. So while the rocket is speeding along, they're essentially following its trail over time. So it's explaining why the Phantom Zone criminals ended up near Earth to begin with, Yeah, is already being explained right there. And then, for this, they're showing the ending of Superman 1, where they shoot the two rockets, Lex throws them into the pool, and this time when he grabs the rocket and tosses it, um, you know, uh, before going to California, you see the rocket fly and go past Saturn and then explode, and the Phantom Zone criminals are like, they, they had arrived in, 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 in the crystal, and it basically shatters and breaks them apart, and you see the them stabilize themselves, look towards Earth, and Zod screaming, like, free! And, like, starts flying. And that's how the movie starts off. So it immediately sets up the idea of, like, this is who they are, this is how it happened, this is how Superman connects. Like, it's so much smoother and better, whereas the Lester version has this whole weird scene... Yeah. That, the Eiffel <laughs> that they Tower. Had to make up. The it, Eiffel Tower yeah. scene. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
this is effectively the beginning of the movie, right? Is like right. there there is uh, there's a, a terrorist situation at the Eiffel Tower. That's why they're Tower. terrorists, Kent. Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's such a good line where where Clark is talking to Perry White. He's like, "That's terrible." Well, that's why they're called terrorists, Clark. <laughs> uh, and like Lois is there. She's in the thick of it. She's like getting even deeper in. She like hooks herself to the elevators. Like, oh god, they're just like showing like dogged reporter Lois Lane like getting into the thick of the thing but really the whole point of this very strange scene where uh superman disarms uh a bunch of uh like french terrorists who have a nuclear bomb that they're going to detonate from the eiffel tower is so that he can bring the elevator with the nuclear bomb on it out into space toss it out deeper into space and the nuclear bomb will destroy the Phantom Zone and release Zod and Nan and Ursa, uh, which Correct. we'll come to find out later when I think it's Luther is in the Fortress of Solitude, where uh, Lara is explaining, because of course they can't get Marlon Brando for this, a nuclear blast is like the one thing we really don't want. You really don't want like an elevator with a nuclear bomb on right. it from France to go into space. Uh, so like, that's is, like the whole reason why they have this uh, this whole this, this whole entire section. Paris sequence, right? And this it's was like, all this was all reshoot, Kevin. Yeah, all reshoot, yeah. all reshoot was this because they had to explain how they got free, and I, I hate that they added only a hydrogen bomb because in the original, it's just he tosses the damn rocket and it explodes, and it's just like yeah, there was in the vicinity of a huge explosion. And again, <laughs> just to clear up, clarify, it's the hydrogen bomb from Superman one. Uh, it's, yes. it's the Lex Luthor bomb that that Superman averts that was going to incinerate uh, New, New Jersey, Jersey. Uh, that he launches out. And by virtue of like his first like major um, rescue effort in on Earth in the first Superman movie uh, is going to bring these Kryptonian nightmares to, to Earth. So it's Correct. actually connecting. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Yeah, it's you know, great. it's great. The Paris sequence is like when I watched it the first time, it's fine, but like you really see a lot more. And this sort of sets up problems that I noticed in the two cuts where Lois is okay, but she really throws herself in the lesser version as a damsel in distress often. She's in distress often in in the lesser version and it starts off immediately where she's like running up there to get the story but then puts herself on the bottom of the elevator which also can we talk about the paris police being like i don't know like probably kind of dumb in this because they know it's a hydrogen bomb Mm -hmm. and their reaction is like the hydrogen bomb is in the elevator and it's like okay cool drop the elevator and i'm like what i don't know (laughs) that it's gonna work the way you want it to yeah i'm just like why would you Make that call. Like, even if it, if it didn't, the countdown didn't start. I'm like, that is, that feels highly dangerous. Like, yeah. maybe don't do that. Um, so that entire sequence is weird. It only exists to explain how they get free. And then you have this moment where they cut to, you know, they, they, they get back to now the Daily Planet again. So it's this weird sequence. I feel like you're going from, like, you know, here's the Krypton stuff. Here's the credits. Okay. Daily Planet, Clark has to know he has to go to Paris. Okay, now we're in Paris. Okay, great. Now we're back at the Daily Planet. And Lois is at the Daily Planet. You have this weird sequence where that car, the taxi cab, hits Clark. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, dude, there's a bunch of people around. Didn't they see that? <laughs> like, Yeah, they're not going to is... automatically connect, like, that guy got hit by a car and he's okay. He's Superman. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but the the sequence in this now has this like I don't know it it was weird to watch because I did watch the Lester one first and it is like when Clark and Lois are interacting with each other with the orange juice 
Like they were very good banter, but is it's the still orange felt- juice not in the Donner cut? No, because so the Donner cut. Be- oh boy, because like in storytelling, you don't always have to explain everything especially background stuff so in the donner cut there is references to the fact that lois likes she loves orange juice she likes orange juice and she likes freshly squeezed but they just say it twice like there's a point the niagara falls thing where she's like oh an orange juice he's like ah freshly squeezed and later on he makes the like no orange juice this time but they don't show her having to juice her own oranges because you don't need to see a scene like that you can get it just from the context Uh of the two conversation beats although i decided to like i kind of love that like Lois is just chain smoking, uh, yes. uh, squeezing her own <laughs> orange juice. She's like, it's to keep you healthy. And Clark's just like looking at her, just like going through like her 17th cigarette in a minute. Right. It was pretty hilarious. It's- it's it's ridiculous and there is no like heavy smoking in the donner cut which i like like you see her holding a cigarette at one point but there's no like crazy smoking because like you know he he wasn't like keen to be showing especially 2006 sure um but like he squeezes his hand in the juicer and i'm like but why did you want her to see that wouldn't wouldn't she notice that your hand didn't get crushed what's happening in that scene Uh, it's a very weird moment um and it sets up then, you know, th- they have this interaction. It's to set up Lois's pining over Superman still. And that's all fine. Um, it's enjoyable. But, like, again, the differences come really, really, really fast. Like, let's, let's, let's say, like, all, like, this segment, right? What happens in the, uh, in the Donner cut that I really, really love is... It actually starts off like Zod gets free. So it starts off immediately at the Daily Planet. And you have Lois and Clark both there. You have the planet like talking about the the Superman saving them with the rockets, like all that stuff. You know, in the, in the front line, Perry White is like, you know, like that, that's a paper, you know. Um, and Clark is talking to Jimmy and Lois is there and they're talking about something. And Lois clicks in her brain where it's like, where was Clark when that happened? Mm-hmm. And you have this scene where Lois looks over at Clark, looks down at, the, at this photo of Superman, and, like, has this thing, like, gets this look on her face, and grabs a marker and immediately draws, like, a, like a jacket, a hat, and glasses and on, on, on Superman, and, like, looks up, and it's just like, oh, oh. And so, like, she figures it out immediately in, the in this Donner movie, cut. basically. In the Donner cut. Yeah. And so what happens is, and I love this scene in the Donner cut because you then have this moment where Perry calls him into the office. They start talking to Perry and he's setting up. You're going to go to Niagara Falls. There's this honeymoon racket that they're doing. And he explains the story, which I think is a lot better because in the other one, they just go to Niagara Falls and he explains why they're going and you get banter. I didn't mind that. We didn't know like that. Like they just get like toured through the honeymoon suite and they're just yeah. like here to like bust out, open a honeymoon. Rack. It was kind right. of hilarious. It is funny, but I yeah. like that. It's just they explain a little bit better in the Donner cut, but you have interactions between Lois and Clark in the Donner cut that you see immediately in this moment, even when Lois has figured it out, she's joshing Clark <laughs> uh, and like messing with him and making jokes and their interplay is so good. And it's not, it's not just Lois pining for Superman, Clark being sad that like, you know, like he can't be with Lois. It's like these two are messing on each other as if they're friends. You see a real friendship and bond between these two characters in the Donner cut 
that I really like. So Perry says this, he leaves the office, and Lois is just like, oh, you're Superman. You know, and he's like, what are you talking about? I'm not Superman. And she's like, no, I'm pretty sure you're Superman. She goes over to the window, she raises the the blinds, and it's, and she's like, what are you doing, Lois? And she just goes, don't worry, you wouldn't let me die, and leaps out the window. And it's <laughs> incredible. It's such a silver age lois lane moment to just be like no i'm pretty sure you're superman i'm gonna jump out this window you wouldn't let me die and she jumps and it's amazing and so clark is like oh shit yeah and so you see him zoom through the planet and the thing where like the, the papers fly up for a moment as he like goes downstairs and this is where it's sort of like the niagara falls moment where she's falling so he like uses his um his his breath to, like slow her descent and then pops open an awning so she falls onto the awning and falls onto a bunch of fruit and then zooms back up, so he's looking out the window, and so she sees him, and is just like, oh, you're, oh, uh, and she, like, passes out, because she realizes she made a mistake. That scene is so fun, and I think better than what they did with the Niagara Falls So the moment. Niagara Falls, because what happens in in the, the theatrical cut is um, they go to Niagara Falls, they're assigned to, like, bust open the honeymoon sweet racket, <laughs> yes. uh, and, like, a kid who's clearly gonna fall off into the falls ends up falling off into the falls. Uh, Clark has been sent to go get hot dogs and orange juice. Uh, Clark sees this happen, turns into Superman, goes and saves the kid. Lois has this connection of Clark's never around when Superman's around. Oh, shit. Clark is Superman. Um, and then she's going to like prove it to him. Be like, I'm pretty sure you're Superman. And here's how I know. And she jumps into Niagara Falls and Clark bumbles his way through saving her without exposing himself as Superman. He uses like his x-ray vision, which by the way, works through his glasses without incinerating his glasses. Come right. on. Uh, he does, he does that. Like he does like a few things to like say, he, it is cute. He like fall, like he like stumbles forward into the water. Like I, I do really like none of that is in the Donner cut. The only thing in the Donner cut is the kid falling into the river. So in the Donner cut, you know, they go to the honeymoon suite. This is like after. So after these scenes, Lois feels pretty embarrassed about everything. They go, they go to Niagara Falls. That is also there. Um, they don't do the heavy tour of the room. That's all cut, which again, I like because it, that's just more about the Lois and Clark pining versus Lois and Clark bantering. So you, you, they just keep the banter between these characters as a forefront. And Lois has more of a chance to shine as Lois Lane with this like strong, fun personality than Lois Lane, the damsel or weeping about Superman character. And so I like that. And so you have the scene where they're there, uh, the kid who's who was doing that to begin with. They warn them like, hey, the parents and then the parents look away immediately and the kid goes right back to it. Not a smart kid. Um, and then the kid falls and then Superman does save the kid, and there's a scene where, you know, he's just like, only one ride per customer, and then flies off, and Lois is like, hey, Superman, it's me. And then, like, when he leaves, she's like, okay, I guess, bye. And that's where the scene ends, you know, in the Donner cut. In the Lester cut, you have Clark coming back. You have her like, hmm, wait a minute. So you kind of have the same, I think they were trying to do the same, like, beat and have the same, like, feeling of it. But to me, I just really like, like, immediately, it's not... She had to see the sequence happen. She had to like put that like immediately. She's just like looking at him and then looking at this picture is just like, I think this man's Superman and then like does it and then jumps out the window. And it's kind of amazing to have it more like that, especially the way she does it is a little more fun. Um, and I, I just really like that in the in the Donner cut. So obviously that scene had to go for a number of reasons. You couldn't have her jump into Niagara Falls twice and right. again for the reshoots. Right. Um, 
But this also led to some other interesting stuff that's coming up. And this is jumping a bit ahead. We'll back up in a little minute to get to the other side stories happening. But this is another huge, huge difference. Because let's talk about what happened after this moment. So yeah, so I, I, I love... So just so I'm on the same page as you, we're tracking Superman and Lois right now. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, because like what happens in the Lester cut is... She falls in, he's, he manages to preserve his, his cover for a little while, but then they do go back to the honeymoon suite, and he just sort of, like, trips and falls into a fire, uh, and, like, she goes to, like, check his hand out, and he hasn't been burned, uh, and it is the lovely moment where, like, he straightens up and turns around, and he's clearly Superman, uh, I think we should talk, I'm in love with you that we really ought to talk is such a good line. It's a really good exchange. And uh, he's like, I think we should go back to my place and it's going to be how he's going to show her to the fortress of solitude. But what happens there is like, he kind of does just like sort of like he trips and falls and there's really, no one he, really, he, he survivors his way into a damn fire. Like, like he just trips and falls into a fire. No, there's like, there's, there's nothing really clever about what happens there. Like low, like what I appreciated up to this point is that like Lois is just like Lois laning her way into finally being like, no, this dude's the same guy. Like I'm, I'm happy that like they're giving her that. Um, but like the final moment where, Clark and Superman are revealed to be the same person. It's not because like Lois has detectived it. And it's not because like Superman like chose to reveal it unless you believe this is what was in your heart, Clark. Uh, otherwise, like he like Superman literally like tripped over his own shoelaces effectively yeah. is like how uh, the theatrical cut uh, presents it. But then before we signed on today, you did send me this clip from the, from the Donner cut. And I know that last week you had told me that there was like a scene from Donner that you really wanted me to check out. Is this, is this the one? This is the one. Okay. And to me, this is so, that's how it happens in Lester. And even, even younger, even, you know, uh, watching it, I always had a problem with the idea of the Superman tripped his way into a fire and that's how she found out because he didn't get burned. Um, how to get it was burned? Just like, how to get burned? How to get burned? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, imagine now Nicolas Cage, which obviously there's a connection there, but, um, you know, and then it's just like, maybe you wanted it to, 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 to be revealed. And it's just like, I guess. Um, so I didn't like that. But then when I saw the Donner cut, holy crap. So in the Donner cut, the scene happens again where Superman flies off and they go back to the, when they're back in the honeymoon suite, Lois comes out of the shower after having, you know, um, uh, and, and Clark comes into the room there and they start talking. They're talking about what's happening. She mentioned, and she's very like, again witty banter all the way through between these two and she's like commenting about like oh yeah you always are missing the fun you know all this stuff and he's like oh you're talking about superman again always with superman and she's just like well i mean it's hard to be jealous of yourself right and he's just like oh we're back to this you're you're doing this again and lois just has like this smile on her face and like this smirk and she's like you know see here's the problem the problem is when i first um when I when I when I first had this theory, I put myself in danger. When really, what I should have been doing is putting you in danger. And she pulls out a gun, and you're just like, "Whoa!" And he's of course like, "Hey, Lois, wait, 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 chill out, chill out." She's like, "No, I'm so certain that you're Superman that you know that that, that I'm going to shoot you, and nothing will happen. And don't pretend to fall down because you'll just have to get back up again." And so he's like bumbling his way, being like, "Oh, watch out, what?" And she pulls a trigger. There's a shot, and 
the it, this is to me another quintessential like oh my god the gun goes off and you see him like hunched over bumbly clark kent you hear the bang of the gun and you just see him straighten up immediately and like takes off the glasses and crosses his arms just like and she's like oh i knew it and he's like you know if you were wrong Clark Kent would be dead. He's, and she just, he's not happy that like the yeah. woman he loves just tried to shoot a man to prove her point. Like this is like a, a like an austere father type of moment. Right. Yeah. And then she says in response, not with blanks. And you see his face like, like, oh, my she God. And she just goes, gotcha. gotcha. And I love that scene so, so much because one, it is showing again Chris Reeves' ability to beat Clark and Superman and that transition is so good, it's insane. You see Lois as she should be. You see the reveal happening because Lois tricks him into it in a very smart and clever way. Like, I love all of that because it's such a character moment for Lois, it's such a character moment for Clark, it's such a character moment for Superman. It's incredibly, incredibly well done. And to me, it's like one of the defining moments in the franchise because it sums up those characters really well. It sums up them really, like the, the themes really well. And also, here's the funnest fact of this, Josh. This scene was Christopher Reeves's screen test. Huh, that's funny. This is how this man walked in to essentially be like hey you should cast me as superman and did that and yeah, i can good. only imagine watching that and just being like this man's superman like this is it this this is it um so those are actually scenes from both of their screen tests that they spliced together even they weren't even in the same room they were doing it originally with different people so again showing what they were trying to do with the donner cut and trying to put stuff together it's just so incredible and i love that reveal so much more uh than the one we got it's just just the, again that that not with blanks moment and seeing Superman realize like oh god damn it like well, it's, it's so great it's great because it plays to the strengths of every character in in the scene I guess there's two characters in the scene I guess technically there's three characters in the scene yeah. if you define Superman and Clark as different characters certainly in a very strange segment the movie will do that um, there is there's the fact that like Clark is preserving his cover as best as he can. Which he's doing because he feels like if anyone knows, then they're in danger. He doesn't want to endanger anybody. It's a lonely existence. But he love he loves being Clark Kent. So I think that there's also like a degree to which this is fun. Um, but then he, he you have like this very Superman moment where he's not just going to get shot, and he's certainly not like he, like the the better option would be for uh, for him to blow his cover in front of Lois rather than what like get shot as Clark and make her feel like she shot a person uh, and also to then not admonish her for shooting someone like that would be very anti Superman. So he has like this look on his face, but the better, uh, the best part is that it is for Lois. It's just very clever. Uh, and she gets to like, she gets to outsmart Superman. Who's not exactly great with deception. Uh, like, you know, we talk about what are Superman's weaknesses. Low deception score. <laughs> you know, we talk about what are Superman's weaknesses and yeah, there's, there's kryptonite and sure there's magic. And I guess there's also a hyper hyperdraulic chamber where like you put him in the thing and like he can't like 
Uh, he can't. He doesn't have his powers anymore. But also, he's weak to like the the the, the cleverness of man. Uh, you know, like uh, like human ingenuity. He's not exactly hip to all the time. Um, so Lois being cleverer than than Clark uh is is so true to character and it's just such a better way to do it such a better way to do it than him falling into the fire yeah and again like i think just knowing that it's his screen test right it's so crazy seeing that like he came into and in his screen test did the like oh oh oh, no don't do it lois and then just that straighten up immediately it's so seamless and so amazing it's just it's really well done and so that's sort of what was happening with the lois and clark stuff and i think the reveal is probably a good point to do a little bit of a backup because sure while all this is happening, we have two segments going on. I think there's the Lex Luthor stuff, right? We Which have is Lex in jail. Really straightforward in the Lester movies so far, or in the Lester movies so far, which is, you know, he's in jail. He and Otis are in jail. Uh, I, I was a little confused, but also didn't spend much time thinking about it because it was great uh, of how they were able to get like a holographic camera, basically. Uh, in their jail cell, I just chalked it up to Lex Luthor's is super genius, and I'm I'm fine. I don't need to know anything yeah. more than that. Same, and I think that is a fine reasoning. It's just like he's really smart. He's Lex he Luthor. Got, he got, he, got a, he somehow managed to uh, either like smuggle in or like Jerry rig some sort of uh, uh, holographic camera that makes it look like he and Otis are still in the cell and buys him enough time to get on the hot air balloon with Miss Dashbacher. Uh, and is able to escape, but he just like totally punks Otis and lets Otis, which I'm fine with. Ball. That was enough Otis for me for the movie. Do you ever see Otis again? Is he in the? No. Yeah, so that's no. it. Okay, cool. I like Save that. It. I mean, because like, of course, Lex is gonna be like, "Yo, peace out, yeah. bye." I have my use of you. I'm Bye, Mister Luthor. Yeah, uh, I love Otis, but that's fine. Uh, and so like he then uh, north, Mister Hashbacker, north. Uh, they go to the Fortress of Solitude, and he goes and he sees uh, like the 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 origins of of superman but then the movie kind of like leaves you a little bit in the dark as to like what did he do next and where does he go from there how much does he know um and the next time you see him in uh in the theatrical cut uh he is at the white house when when uh zod shows up there we'll talk about zod in a, in a minute i'm sure um but I kept thinking like during the 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 Lester cut during what I was watching the official Superman 2 is he not still just in the fortress of solitude is he not just going to pop up when Superman and Lois are there and he never does so I'm I'm kind of in the dark as to where is Lex during so much of the movie and then when he just pops up in the White House I'm not fully able to do the same thing I did where he just has a holographic thing in prison. It's like, I feel like the movie isn't like showing me totally cards up what's supposed to be going on with, with Lex. So that's how it's presented in the official. What's the Lex storyline in, in Donner up to this point? So it's not that super far off, pun intended, but um, it is to me better because you get more, um, more extended scenes of what we got. So 
the prison stuff is basically the same, but even in both versions, there's there's a quick note, and I and, and watching in both, you really get it. Where Lex is talking to Otis originally, and he mentions how he's been, you know, like oh Superman, you know, he's like always flies off, and it's just like yeah, but where to? And Otis is like north, and he's like why north? And he's just like maybe he likes skiing, and he's just like yeah, you're an idiot. And so like he's like he's flying somewhere, and so Lex says that he has this little black box, this thing he created that is tracking the alpha waves that Superman um, extends out, which are different from humans. So he's been tracking where Superman has been going in this box, and he's going to use that to follow North to figure out where he goes. So when he escapes, that's what he does. He goes with the Cheshmacher. There's a little bit more between them. There's a lot more banter that to contrast, honestly, Lois and Clark, because where Lois and Clark have this fun, like, friendly banter, Lex is like very mean to Miss Tashmacher and they show the banter as being like really not great, but like again, a contrast, right? And when they get there in the Lester version, he does this stuff where he's using the crystals, but it's again very short. It's with Lara and like it's with some random Kryptonian reciting the poem. And like she does this weird thing where she has pre-recorded answers on the presumption of knowing what Superman is gonna say, which is very odd to me. So they find out very quickly, like, oh, there's other Kryptonians and maybe a hydrogen bomb. And so Lex is just like, ah, a hydrogen bomb must have freed them. Well, we should go find them. And then he leaves. In the Donner cut, it's Jor-El. He puts the thing in and Jor-El shows up and Lex is like, oh, huh, that's weird. I must be his dad. They look a lot alike. And he starts listening to everything he's saying, like, you are my son, Kal-El. You have come from Krypton. And Lex is like... Basically, listening and putting crystal after crystal to learn everything he can. So you about like, like in like a montage, effectively. Yeah, like he, you see him going through different crystals. You see, like gives Jor-El you like a sense of like stuff. both like passage of time and also like depth of interest for for Lex. Right, and the other stuff you're getting is where you're talking about the Zod stuff because when he puts the crystal in to learn about Zod. Brando talks at length about like here's this is who Zod is this is who Ursa is this is who Nan is this is what they tried to do we were able to stop them we have no death penalty and in both version I like that Lex is like sensible enough yeah because even Lex is <laughs> gets the death that's penalty funny. and um and talks about like you know the, like if they were to ever go free like it'd be bad like did like, they have a lot more with this interaction with Lex and him learning stuff and Lex basically says oh okay. I tracked like three other alpha waves recently in this box. And I was wondering what the hell those are. It must be these three then. Like, and so Lex is basically figuring out like they must have gotten free. This has to be the three other waves I've been seeing. So I'm going to follow them and I'm going to find out where they're going to be and I will go. So that's how he gets to the White House because he's using the same tech he used to find Superman and follow Superman to then follow them to the White House. So there's more of an explanation. There's more of a connection. Again, it's an extended scene, but it gives you the it's detail. Important. Yeah, it's important. I think I, do, also, I, I did miss that. I, I yeah. like how how is he going to even know where to go and how's he getting there? Like all that. Like I did feel like I wanted some of that. And it shows Lex Luthor's, and I really like Lex Luthor in this because it does show a bit more of his intelligence in these moments of like figuring stuff out, deducing stuff, using stuff to his advantage. I like it a lot better than the stuff in one. So that's what Lex was doing up until this point. And it's also why you also see him leaving. You also see him piecing out of the fortress with uh, Ms. Teschmacher, who he abandons at some point uh, because she's gone. Um, And then so that's how that happens. And then shortly after that is where Lois and Clark will end up showing up in the fortress uh, 
after their reveal. But again, while all this is going on, we have the Zod, Ursa, Non stuff. We should and, talk and the, about uh, about Zod, Ursa, I'm, and Non. This is this is a perfect point too yeah. because as I'm saying this too, the Lester version intersperses stuff here and there about where all these things are going on, but it feels really disjointed. All these scenes, in my opinion, that we're talking about flow a lot better in the Donner cut. The pacing of all of it feels very precise. And like when you cut to certain moments, it's at the right time. It's at the right moments. And I think it flows the pacing a lot better. Okay. But Ursa, Nan, and Zod, they get free and they show up and their first thing is on the moon. I want to know. Versions? In both versions. Great. Well, they, they, they like, you know, they shatter at the beginning of yeah. Donner and he does it like free and you see them flying towards yes. it. So you see them on the way. But the moon is the first moment to really get them. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I love this. Scene I love that. I, I, so much. I, well, one of the things that I really love about it is um, I love the contrast between man on the moon and Kryptonian on the moon. <laughs> uh, in like the way that they move uh, is so neat. I also just love the costume design for Zod and Ursa. Nun. I wrote down like Ursa's sleeves. I'm obsessed with her like like slitted sleeves. I'm so into. You them. know, I know it's like eighty eighty one, but like it's the seventies. So like it just it's it just it's so great. It really looks so great. Um, and they Robin do- wants to wear that outfit now. She's like, "Do you think I can pull that yes. off? I want to pull that off." Yes, please <laughs> let Robin know I said yes. Uh, yeah, it's just it's great. It's it's so alien, and it's so like kind of like uh, like gothic alien. Um, and I also there is like a, a some of like the physicality of the movie. Sometimes it's a little hit or miss with me. Uh, the fact that everybody's arms have to go forward in order for them to fly just like cracks me up every time. Um, but there is like the way that they like move the astronauts as they're like slowly like maiming and basically murdering them is so chilling um, because it's filmed the way that it is because it's kind of lo-fi and and 1970s ish. Um, that like they're like pulling them like by like the back of the of the shirt and the back of the pants basically and just like throwing them off into space. There is this quality to it that feels like uh, like pulling wings off of a fly. Like there is yes. like that menace to it that's really really like upsetting and kind of gross, but also like a little hinky and weird and sort of like oddly done that makes there there is this level of surreality to it uh that i think makes it really 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 effective um this is the stuff that like when i when i have the sense memory of like the zod uh of it all is so frightening in these movies and like ways in which like that is measuring up to my experience revisiting it this week versus where it's not i think the places where it's not is that like it's lacking some um, measure of gravitas from a story perspective for me, but in like scene presentation and in performance, it's definitely still hitting those notes. And the scene on the moon is, is, uh, is number one. Clearly, obviously it's no nuclear man, but what could be? (laughs) It's, it's fantastic for all the reasons you said, and I think it's so well executed. It's a phenomenal intro to the villains of this movie. And especially Look, if you know anything about me, you know I, I I was very into Ursa, and so like even even now I'm just like man, what an intro to to this character. I love the 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 wings off a fly thing is so 
especially her when she shows up, right? Because she's the first one. She lands in front of this astronaut and, you know, it's just like, you know, what are you supposed to be? And he's just like, I'm just a man. And she's like, just a man. And like reaches to go tear the, the, the patch off of his suit. And like, he like gets freaked out and he starts jumping away. And she just immediately goes on the other side of him, tears it off, watches him squirm, and then just kicks him into space. Yeah. And obviously immediately I'm like, this woman's awesome. Um, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I love every part of it because it's them finding out like this is what we can do now and just being sort of just like analytical and weird and horrifying about it they smash that space station i like non when he just picks up the two flags and has them over his back because it's this idea of like the space race was a thing look at the achievement that that russia and the soviet union and america were both struggling to do it's a fight to get to and these guys just demolish it and he picks up both flags because both are meaningless to these people i love that i love this subtlety in this moment and in this sequence it's it's so so good yeah uh i i really like it as as well it really like that was the thing that just like kept coming to mind like wings off a fly like it it really does and then there's like some of the humor to it of like houston uh yes because they don't why would they know (laughs) yeah let us go to this planet houston uh you know it's just it's it's really it's really 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 great and that's sort of like where their story continues while all this stuff is going. Again, the interspersing, right? So you have uh, Zod, Ursa, and Nan, which, you know, just from some comic book history, uh, Zod is a character that was from the comics. Ursa and Nan were made up from the mo- for the movie. Ursa is based on an actual character, uh, Feora, who is in the Man of Steel. Um, and Nan has become, in fact, both Ursa and Nan are now in canon in the comics. Um, but they were essentially made for this film uh, and have become so iconic as Zod had. Zod was not a major Superman villain uh, in the comics at all. Yeah. Uh, and now he's just like one of the Superman villains. So this movie that shows the impact of this movie and of Terrence Stamp's performance. I mean, certainly at the beginning when he was yelling, you know, like you will kneel down before me, Jor-El um, is very much like Michael Shannon channeled that in the like, I will find him. Like, you know, it's yeah. the same energy they were bringing. Yeah. Um, but then you see them go to Earth. You have the scene of them like learning Walking about their powers, water. and which was I guess great. I did. Um, so obviously, their powers are stronger on Earth. On Krypton, do they not have any? No. Okay. No powers. This isn't like the Viltrumites, right? This isn't the Viltrumites where they have powers uh, to reference another podcast, um, where they have powers no matter what. There has been versions uh, in the in the early, early, early Golden Age where. Um, sometimes they did have powers, uh, on Krypton to like leap and stuff like that, but that has changed a lot. And now the standard is while on Krypton, they never had powers. They only have powers on earth because of, uh, the yellow sun. Got it. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the setup here. So they're learning about all this stuff. You see them doing the walking on water. You see them flying. You see the heat vision happen and you have this scene where they, uh, run into police officers, which, um, the, the, the scene with the like in in the forest with the snake and stuff is like cut shorter to again cut out the goofiness of non trying to use heat vision and failing. Um, that sort of stuff doesn't happen, but you do see Ursa use it. So it's those little pieces setting it up to be a little more serious and a little more threatening. Um, and then the cop scene happens, and this is almost identical. Um, I like that these two police officers show up, and I have this in my notes because these cops show up and they're like, "Hey, what are you guys doing here?" And Ursa, of course, goes over and sees his little badge and just reaches forward, tears the badge off him. And what does this man do? 
just from having his badge taken, he pulls a shotgun on her. I know. I wrote down a cap because like, <laughs> like he pulls a shotgun yeah. just because what she is, took what the, is the badge off him. The guy is like, you're never going to be like a mean shooter unless what he says something. I forget the exact phrase. Uh, but yeah, like there was some definitely like I was like pointing at the t- bad cops, bad cops. Yeah. Like yeah. definitely a few of those moments for sure. And I like this sequence, right? Because like, again, this, this idea of like these people just experimenting and like wondering their way through some of the most dangerous weapons we have where you know he he visions uh the the gun and then zod like basically is just like what is this thing points it to himself pull the triggers you see the bang and it nothing i like i like the sequences they shot here i really bizarrely love the like simplicity of like bang and he's just standing there as if it's just like whatever and then like drops the gun uh also i don't know if you noticed this you probably have ursa's collection keeps growing throughout the movie yes like her outfit just gets yes i love i think it wasn't until like i saw that she had like all of like the like the military armaments on it's so good it was really funny (laughs) i love that uh, that love that character beat so they're just Um, they're just like ripping it up yeah in in texas so are they pretty close so this is where some differences happen one and i will say every now and then there's something in the lester version i like right so this is almost identical they do they still have this one scene and this will be important because when he heat visions the the gun for some reason it also levitates towards him right that's not a thing that kryptonians can do okay uh and there's a lot of instances in the Lester cut of weird things where you're just like, that's not one of their powers. Like, he points at one person and levitates them into the... That's not a thing. So a lot of that stuff is cut. They had... Th- that one part with the gun is kept because they didn't have a scene where he gets heat vision, he dropped it and then picked it up. And so that is the one, but a lot of other stuff is cut with the weird Kryptonian powers not in there. And I appreciate that because it's a lot of questions about why. Um, but the town stuff... Where they actually show up to the town. And again, I love I love the little beats. I love Ursa going to arm wrestling that guy and smashing him through the floor. Like, I think that's fantastic. Them wrecking that town, I thought was good. I didn't like the little kid with the like, please, Mr. General, please let my daddy down. Like, I didn't like that. You I was didn't. just like, oh, God. Oh, man. That, that was kind of good, on. no? Eh. No, and, I'm kidding. Um, I like, yeah, I like them wrecking the town. In the Donner cut, we don't see the wrecking of the town. We see the the part with the cops, and when they cut back, it's just like, three people have wrecked this town, and we don't know how. Like, holy crap. Yeah. So you miss the actual town attack, which I personally, I do like. I like that town scene. Yeah. No, I like it too. I like it as well. Like, I have no issue with it other than, like... The, my issues come a little bit later. Right now, I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty good. All right, so let we should hop back to Superman and Lois. I yes. think um, so because this is where a lot of back and forth is going to happen. Where Superman and Lois are doing their thing, and we keep seeing what Zod and Ursa are doing. Zod, Ursa, and Nan are doing, which is wrecking shop across Texas and then the U.S. And the way that the theatrical version presents this is that this is why Superman is completely unaware of Zod. He's he's busy in the Fortress of Solitude with Lois. They're uh, they're like sealing. The deal he's letting her in on all the secrets uh i i uh he goes and like plucks her flowers from like the rainforest and uh they enjoy champagne instead of orange juice um and we uh we before we even see them kiss i think in the theatrical cut we see them like post coitus uh we see them in like his like sleep blanket bed yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his bed looks bed. weird as hell. Yeah, I gotta say, 
there's a scene where in both versions he's just like do you like it about the fortress and she's like yeah and in my head i'm just like dude it's this is this is like a weird empty ice palace. You need some decorations. I will say in the comics, it needs the a lady's touch. Is, she says it I needs think, a lazy yeah, touch, right? Yeah. Like I think Miss Tashmacher says that. I, and and in the comics though, the fortress is awesome. Like the fortress of solitude in the comics has so much stuff. It's like the Bat Cave. There's so much like cool, interesting, fun sci-fi, weird stuff in it. And I wish that was in these. So like in this, the fortress is so bland, and then it's just like also here's a weird gray bed blanket spread, and it's I'm so just like, odd. It's, it's so, so super odd. weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything meaningfully diff- uh, different here? Because I, I think like the big thing to start talking through then, if not, is um, Lois is going to overhear Superman talking to his mother and finding out that like he can be with her, but only if he removes his powers, he has to become mortal. Uh, And so he just does this without consulting Lois at all. And without having any kind of conversation, like she said, I think I'm in love with you uh, or I am, or like I'm in love with you. And then they've had like one night together uh, and like they, and he's been spending all of this time with her lying about who he actually is. And over the course of three hours now has this, well, now she knows, and now I want to be with her forever. And so I'm going to give away all my Superman powers without a conversation with Lois. And Lois is also just going to watch all of this happen and not intercede at all. And then it's going to be done. And I gotta be honest. I hate it. I hate it. I think it's bad. I think this part is stupid. I think I really don't like the... uh, Because we talked about this a lot when we did Spider-Man 2. Like, I don't love the... The hero loses their powers storyline. It's just kind of what... Like, who are you without your powers? It's just, like, totally whatever to me. Uh, And I think it it is, like... It is not just like remarkably whatever to me here in Superman 2, but also like, I don't know that I like the way that all of that plays out when you line it up on a timeline. I don't know that it it, it totally tracks for me. So like, does Donner make this better or am I still going to be unsatisfied? I think maybe you might be, but is it better? Yes. So the the theatrical version is pretty much like, as you said, right? And I think, you know, again, we only have these like brief moments with Lois and, and Superman and, and, you know, in the Lester cut, right? In the theatrical one. And then he has a very short conversation with his mom. I love her. I want to, you know, I just want to be human. And just like, okay, here, here's how you do it. Cool. The Donner cut, there's, like I said, there's a lot more interplay with Lois and Clark throughout the beginning of the film. So it doesn't feel like it's just this one moment and one conversation. There's a banter that happens. There's connections that happen. You do feel it, I think, a little more that these two characters have interest in each other and a complicated relationship. Does he consult Lois in either version? No. And I think what I like about this part of it is the consequence we see later because there is, you know, just to jump slightly further ahead, there is a moment that I really like where. Lois is, says, like, after he gets beaten up, like, I just want to, you know, I just I just only want the person I fell in love with. And Clark is the one who says, I wish he was here right now. But for Lois, he is like, it doesn't matter to her, you know, and I think a lot of it is in Clark's own head. And I think a lot of what happens is his own fault. And what you get in the Donner cut is a much longer conversation 
not with his mom, but with Jorel. And he calls up Jorel. And what I do like, actually, and this is really dumb, but it's a minor thing that I like a lot, is that in the in the Lester version, he's in his Superman outfit when he's talking to uh, his mom. And he goes into that chamber, and for whatever reason, in that version, the the the, the chamber does the thing, and his costume goes away, and he emerges as Clark Kent in like the 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 button up shirt and slacks, right? It's so in, weird that like he then just like emerges and he's got like this khaki jacket. Correct. So in the Donner cut, when he's there talking to Jorel, he is in the like. No jacket, but like uh, the button up shirt, the top like two buttons undone and slacks. And it is a moment where he's talking to Jarrell and like they're having a conversation. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is the first time we're seeing the real person because this is the kid and that we saw in that first movie in Smallville. Right. Because Clark Kent that we see as a disguise, the one in the bit in the suit with the button up and, and, the, and the tie and all of that. That's not really him. Superman, the one who's like, you know, big and tall all the time. That's also not him. This guy who is like casually dressed kind of and is having a conversation where he's just like and the conversation is way more extended where he's just like, look, I've done a lot for this this planet already. Like all I want is to like have some happiness in my life. And if I'm Superman, I can never have that. I'll never not be able to like not do this. And the dad is basically like, look, I'm telling you, I see where you're coming, but like you have a responsibility here. Like you, you have these powers. If you leave these people, like they're not going to be able to like handle it themselves. Are you going to even be okay with that? Like there's going to be a time where something might happen and you would need these powers. And he's just like, I love her. I, this is what I want. I want to do this. The conversation feels so genuine. It feels so intimate in a way between him and Jarrell. You really see the, the, the actual, this is Clark Kent slash Superman in this moment. This is the person that we know. And it makes sense. So to me, the Donner cut does a way better job of establishing the, the choice he's making, why he's making it. And, the fault in making it later too. And I think it works a lot better in the Donner cut. It's also why when he goes into the chamber, he comes out in that outfit because they had filmed him emerging in the scene. And in the original cut, he was wearing that. But anyway, so it works to me a lot better. And Lois isn't thrilled about it. Like when, when it happens, you know, and like, you kind of see that. Like, she's like, you can tell she's like, you made this decision without me. Right, you know? right, right, um, right. And I like that it's emphasized a little bit more in the Donner cut. So like all this stuff to me works so much better. And again, the connection to Jorel, this is what I mean, what you're talking about. You see these moments, the weight of Jorel in his mind in, in that time being like, this is not going to be a good idea, kid. I know that there's those criminals out there. Like, what if they show up? He doesn't say that, but like, you can see it, you know, you can feel it. Um, so that's the big difference between these two. And I think it works a lot better in the Donner cut. I think the emotion of Clark, I think Chris Reeve acting in this scene is so good and so great to have that interaction with his dad. I think it works so much better because it's extended. I think that there's just like no real honest buildup to it in the theatrical. Uh, so yeah. like, may- maybe it would feel differently uh, for me. Uh, like I-, I think like, I don't feel that level of like longing from Clark in the theatrical, like what I get from him. And I think Christopher Reeve plays it to the best of his ability is like, uh, 
like he's kind of like overplaying it now <laughs> you know what i mean it's like she likes me all right we're in love we're getting married i'm getting rid of all my powers and lo's like i don't know that i feel this way anymore <laughs> like it's yeah. sort of like that's sort of the energy that it has in the theatrical and like i hate it um i really I mean, dislike you have this it. question he asked and I, I really like it it's like when will i do enough and it's sort of like, that's a valid question. And I like those things, right? Because it, it is like, is this my life then? Like, when when will it be enough? Do I, get, I, I, do I get to rest? No. You know? Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And so I think those are all interesting things that, that the Donner Cut delves into and does a better job with. And cool. why I, I, I don't mind the giving up the power storyline in this case. Like, because also, this was one of the earlier cases of this, right? Like, Spider-Man sure, 2 course, happens absolutely. because Superman 2 of happens. Of course, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, does he still go to like the diner in yes. Donner Cut? Because yes. that's the, the next thing, right? Like happens. they leave the Fortress of Solitude. And again, like the entire time I'm watching the Fortress of Solitude stuff, I'm like, is Lex still here? <laughs> is he just watching? This is weird. Uh, but they go to the diner. Where are they? Is that like Alaska? So this was, yeah. It, <laughs> this is one of those things where nothing where is ever explained about this. Yeah. Because it's like they mention the North Pole several times. But then they, they show up at a diner and they're driving through country and it looks like Alaska. But the immediate question is like, how'd they get there? And so there's all these questions. And I think what it is, is like when they first got there to the North Pole, he flew. When they had to get back, they must have taken a boat to like the pole to Alaska. Right. And then from Alaska, now they were heading back to the States. Correct. Which is wild to think about. Yeah. But like passage of time makes sense because while this was happening, of course, the other stuff we'll talk about was happening. Yeah. Um. But this diner scene does happen. Our best assumption is that it's Alaska, because otherwise, what is this diner in the North Pole that everyone seems to be hanging out in? So Clark just gets wrecked by, what's his name, Rocky? Yes. Idiot, this guy. It's like, this is just a minute steak. Yeah, that's such a gr- that that is such a stupidly amazing line though. This, like it's such a it's such a dumb. This line. Idiot, oh, it's my blood, uh, <laughs> and you made me bleed my own blood. Blood. <laughs> Nobody makes it. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's such a scene. It's in both versions, right? Like he he gets beat up, but I like again that it shows that a lot of this is on him. Lois is trying to tell him, like, dude, it's fine, and he's not listening. Which I think is, again, an interesting thing that I wish they delved a little bit more into about the relationship, right? And, again, I do like in both versions, the moment, like, the guy, like, knocks Clark out, uh, you know, beats him up badly. Lois is like, you know what? F this man just jumps on his back and, like, starts wailing on him. I'm like, yeah, Lois Lane. Like, those are the lowest moments I like. And you get, again... In the the Donner Cut, you get a lot more of that, like, spunky Lois than than I think you get of the, like, more, like... Oh, but Superman, like, pining Lois. Um, So this scene is almost pretty much identical. Um, And of course, though, Superman gets beat up. He's just like, ooh, did I make a mistake? And then once I turn on the TV, he's just like, oh, I definitely made a mistake. Because the TV is where they reveal what's been going on with Zod, Ursa, and Nan. You you know, to jump backwards, what we do get in both versions is the military attack. And I do love that scene, too. It's very good. Like, it's so great. You just, like... Like, not just straight up catching the rocket and then just, like, breaking it. You have them blowing the helicopter, you know, oh, blow them a kiss, my dear. Yeah. You know, into the into the barn. You have, again, 
I don't know why I like it. It's just so simple. But when they're shooting the missiles at them and the three of them are just standing there and like the missile hits them and they're just still standing there. And it's almost like they just look at each other like, like <laughs> it's like nothing. And I really, really love that. I think it's such an awesome like display of their powers and just a fun display of their powers without being goofy or silly if that makes sense sure it does of course um but they go they go from there to like bring me to the president like take me yes. to your leader stuff that's how they find out they're not on the planet houston they're on the planet, planet Earth, Earth, where the yeah. reporter's like what houston. No, idiot. yeah <laughs> houston and the planet houston uh and they head to the the white house right and here's a here's a small change but again one i like in the theatrical, for some reason, they were in Texas, and then they passed by Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. and they defaced Mount Rushmore to look like them. Yes. And it's just like, But, huh? like, just like, screw you, Lincoln. Yeah. Right. With just, like, their laser vision. And it's just like, what the hell? Yeah. Whereas in the Donner Cut, they go to Washington, D.C., and they knock over the Washington Monument because... Yeah, why would they pass by Mount Rushmore from Texas to DC? Uh, but also, like, like why the, would they take the time to like go there and then inscribe? Like, they, like right. how do they know to go there? And uh, yeah, a, a lot of questions. Also, just yes. because they are uh, super powered doesn't make them automatically incredibly sculptors. talented sculptors. <laughs> Correct, and yet they are able to just like laser off all of the presidents from Mount Rushmore and then render their own likenesses brilliantly within nanoseconds. And then knock over Lincoln. Yeah, it's 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 a very, like, silly, Screw silly moment. Screw you, Abe. Yeah. Um, but then we have the White House scene. And while the scenes are similar, once again, I think there are different shots in the Donner Cut that shows them, and a, a little bit extended, and shows them, like, wrecking shop a lot more. Like, it shows, like, the White House, like, desperately trying to, like, stop these people. And it's just like, nope. I love that Ursa just yeets a man out the roof. Mm-hmm. Like, just grabs yeah. her, like, whoop. Yeah. Um, and you just see her, like, smacking guys around, like, you know, ripping something off and like messing up with them there's a great scene where zod i don't think this is in the lester version but after like as ursa and non are like smashing through stuff right unstoppable basically zod is basically like arms crossed leaning against the wall like watching it happen and it's just such an like fantastic moment of like the general just like yeah i don't have to do much and the guy comes through the window and he grabs a guy and throws him through the window I don't think they have this in the Lester cut, but in the Donner cut, Zod, after throwing the guy, is holding the gun, and he, like, kind of, like, looks at it, and then, like, grabs it, and, like, points it, and starts shooting, like, wildly, and you just see this smile on his face mm-hmm. as he's doing it, <laughs> that I'm like, this is incredible. This is an incredible moment of just, like, look at this, look at this thing these humans created. What a bunch of maniacs yeah. coming from General Zod, which I really like. Yeah. Um. So the White House scene is a lot more action-packed in the Donner Cut. And while the Lila's not super different, I just think, again, it works better. The action is shot so much better. The scenes are so much more interesting. And that's where they go confront the president. uh, And immediately, (laughs) Zod is like, you're not the president. No, no, no one who leads so many would kneel so fast. And this scene has a number of Zod lines I like. One being, uh, I'm the president and I will kneel... If it will save lives, it will, starting with yours. Starting with like, yours, yeah. Great one. And then there's one man who will not kneel before you. Who is this imbecile? Yeah, like, that's very just- good. But I also like, you're not the president. You wouldn't, if you were, you wouldn't kneel before me so quickly. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I watched that. I was like, ah! 
Well, this is why you're not the president. Uh, well, I was, well, I was just trying to like kind of extrapolate the moment and like think about like, ah! yeah. You know? You've done a lot. You just wrecked shop across the entire U.S. Basically, I think there may be like I don't know one or two or one who would just like immediately just drop down. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, just food for thought. It, it is right, and I, I, so that's essentially where it leads us to the diner. This is where the Earth has surrendered, basically, to Zod and Ursa and Nan, and Clark is just like, "Wait, what? Here? Yeah, How? Correct? When? Yes. Like, yes. I have so many questions. Yes, yes. Um, uh, so Clark is then he's gonna go. He's like, I have to go back. Yes, uh, and so he does, and. We don't really do. We really see exactly. How, well, he goes back and he sees that the crystal is there. Yes, uh, yes. and so the crystal, is, like the green crystal, that's not kryptonite, um, but it, but is uh, the crystallized uh, mint jelly rock candy uh, that he's yeah mm, yum <laughs> uh, that he's going to use to re- regain his powers. Uh, that's in the theatrical. Is there any additional bell or whistle? To... Oh, a ton! Oh, because in in this in this right, like he just goes, he, just goes, he finds this green yeah, crystal, and then like he picks it up. It's and like he's this whole, like, but that's another oh. reason why I hated it, Kevin. It's like all of this was for nothing. All of it was for nothing. It was for like one scene, even like there was really no re. And I guess it's to like set up that he's going to be able to use this to depower Zod and and Nan and Ursa, and so like. How is he going to defuse that by taking their powers away? So I guess you have to introduce a mechanism with which you could take Kryptonian powers away. All right. right. But it's a long way to go and not the Star Wars podcast to uh, to get to to get to there in the theatrical to just have like the the the, the one scene where he just gets his 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 crap rocked in uh, the diner like just for this was like I just I hated it. So in the Donner cut, he goes back to the fortress and he's like, basically when he shows up, it's again, a very different, a little bit different in dialogue, which I think again, the dialogue's better um, of just like, dad, I messed up because again, in this version, it's his dad he's talking to. He's like, I messed up. You were right. Like, uh, like these Kryptonian criminals are free. I can't do anything. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. I I, like, I screwed up. You were right. And uh, to silence. And then he sees the glowing crystal and so he picks it up and he puts it into the thing and Jorel shows up and is just like, basically, he's just like, well, I did tell you, didn't I? And he's just like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I messed up. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Like, there's actually a conversation he has with Jorel about, like, what happened and how he did screw up. And Jorel is basically just like, listen, here's the deal. Like, I figured something like this would happen. I can, like, we can give you your powers back. But basically... It's going to take the energy in these archives, in the Kryptonian archives. Like, all of the energy is going to be used to give you your powers back, meaning all of Krypton's history and myself, this interface, is wiped from existence. You can't talk to us anymore. We're gone. That's So that's the trade-off. That's the trade-off. That's and a, I and love that's it. A, and that's a huge <laughs> trade. It's like, you won't be able to see your parents anymore. Right. Like, all the stuff that, like, your the history of Krypton is gone now. And it'll live in you, but like we're gone. You won't be able to talk to us anymore. Like all of it is is gonna go away. And so he does it because he knows he has to. And like there is a weird scene about the father becoming the son and all this other weird shit that I was just like, eh, I don't like that part yeah. as much. But 
Um, and that's how, like, Jarrell comes, like, you know, the, he doesn't solidify, but his, like, hologram walks forward and, like, puts his hand on his shoulders and, like, clearly, like, Superman starts shaking or whatever. And it's the idea of, like, the, the power of, of the Kryptonian archives are going back to him. And so that's the trade off he makes. And I do, again, think it's better because, one, we see something happening versus he picks up the crystal and next thing we know. So I think that does work a lot better. It's a choice. It's a trade-off. The hero has to make a decision and he faces consequences. That's how these things should go, you know? So, and I think Donner that works, works better. That works a lot better. That works yeah. a lot better because there's no trade. There's nothing. Right. It's just, he just walks it back. It happened yeah. just for like, for honestly, I don't know why other than like to set up how he'll take out the bad guys at the end. Right. And I like that it, it is like it's both. It serves two purposes in the Donner Cut, which I like a lot because it's always now like the option two is there where it's basically just like this is a one time deal, kid. Like if you ever use this chamber again, you're screwed. So just remember that because like the chamber's there. You can use it to become human. But literally, this is it. Yeah. Like, we're done now. We're done, though. Like, if you're human, you're human forever. Um, so I like that, That again, in the Donner Cut, I think they do a lot better version of this. And this is where now we have, uh, while that's happening, uh, <laughs> Ursa, Nod, Nod, and Zod are just chilling in the White House, bored as hell, because they've conquered the planet. Lex shows up that. waving the white flag. Yes. Uh, this is he, all he, he's obsessed with beachfront property. Yeah. So he wants to give them Superman with very meager demands in exchange. Australia! Australia. Like, doing the full Nixon is so funny. I I love it, and I love his delivery. There's just a funness to this Lex that I think works, because he's still very smart. But, like, just the little things where he's just like, um, oh, so, like, he reveals, like, oh, the son of Jarrell, this is the one you call Superman. Like, I love his, like, interactions with Ursa, where she crushes his hand, he's just like, ah, oh, Jesus. Um, and I love the, like, does he fly? Constantly. But... You know, is he strong? Oh, very. And it's just like, but where he is one, you were but three. Four if you count Four him if twice. You count him twice. Like, all that stuff I really like. I think this is like a Lex who's just like, I'm going to take advantage of this situation. And I like that. And again, the Donner could explain how he got there, right? Tracking the alpha waves. Yeah. Um, and so then he brings them to the to the Daily Planet, where they just smash the hell out of the place. Poor Perry White just gets wrecked. <laughs> wrecked. I do love to see where Perry just throws the thing at Nan, just like blunk, and yeah. it's just like, uh, yes. Yeah, so. Anyway, plunks him up into the ceiling. <laughs> yep. oh, poor guy. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, and this is where you have the uh, the setup to the big moment, right? The climax of the film, which I am very excited to get into. Like, they show up. They're like, Lex, what the hell, man? You know, and Lex is just like, what do you mean, kill me? Oh, there is actually a really, really funny moment that they cut from the Lester version that is in the Donner that I really like. So they show up to Daily Planet, like they knock out Perry White and they go, this is the son of Jarrell and they lift up Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> and it's incredible. That's really great. And Lex is like, what? No, 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 no. Yeah. Like, it was, it's just such a goofy moment, but at the same time, like, yeah, of course, why would they know what he looks like? Um, but then, of course, Superman shows up. Another change that I do think I like in the Lester version is when Superman shows up uh, there's an amazing line. Like, he's flying outside the window, and he does that, like, general care to step outside, which I do really like, obviously, to play on the fact that they're flying. Um, whereas in the Donner cut, he says, haven't you ever heard of the freedom of press? Which I'm like, no! They're from another planet! Why would they know that? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't like that line as much. And this is where we get the fight. And I'm... There are differences here in that the goofier parts are cut out, like the toupee scene, the guy on the roller skates is, like, trimmed down. Um, 
but I'm curious your take on this fight. Uh, in, in, in this movie. It's fine. I think it's all right. I mean, I, I like the exploitation of, uh, Superman's uh, another one of Superman's weaknesses. I mean, I, I think that these movies clearly understand how to make Superman a strong, dramatic character, even in a fight when he's up against, uh, you know, even if he were up against Lex, like they did this last time. It's so easy to just say that he's like invulnerable to stuff. You're really uncreative if you think Superman is invulnerable. Uh, because like all you have to do is threaten a bus full of people, even a bus with one person on it. Uh, and now you're, you're, you're getting, you're, you're drawing Superman's fire effectively. So I, I like the ways that they play with that here. I think maybe there are some inconsistencies when he like throws them through the Coca Cola sign and like there's Coca Cola wreckage probably falling to the ground. Uh, but like if I could just like shut that off, then it's totally fine. Um, but I, I like, that idea of like he like the the battle is less uh to to quote your turn of phrase uh punchy kicky flippy uh and more like superman is like constantly being tasked with putting out these fires that the kryptonians are are setting for him yeah and so uh, okay obviously the effects are you know a little older but for me the themes and what they do with this fight I love way more than like what we saw in Man of Steel. Sure, yeah. Because for me, there's a there's several things. One, I think there's there's a lot being done with like them chasing each other through speed and not working right. And again, uh, this is mostly the same between the two versions. There are some like shots that are different. That again, I do think it works better in the Donner version because I think they focus in on uh, like smaller little details about how they're fighting, about the dialogues. But what we're seeing here is like as they're punching each other, Superman very quickly is just like Jesus. Like he goes and has to say like grab the the, the falling you know top of the Empire State Building, like put not you know uses it to trap Non. Um, he's trying to constantly save people as this battle is going. Whereas in Man of Steel, of course, the battle is also so like hectic and hard to follow. Whereas I, this, I think the beats are very straightforward. There's less of like in Man of Steel where it's just like punching, 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 as, as you said. In this, it's like way more creative. They're throwing stuff at him. I will note, I love- I will note Kevin, uh, that there is a moment in Superman 2 where Superman very nearly snaps Zod's neck. Uh, so, uh, if you want to say that Zack Snyder was pulling that out of nowhere, Superman absolutely puts Zod in this chokehold at one point in Superman 2, where you're like, oh, well, what's he going to do now? Well, there's a, there's a difference between a chokehold and a neck snap. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, um, I'm mostly making a joke, but it's there. Yeah. It's there. Yeah, when, when they're on top of the car. Yeah, um, he's got him in the, I think it's at the, in the Fortress of Solitude. He's got him by the throat. It's like, what, what are you going to do, Superman? We've seen this before in the oh, future. That's actually very funny because in the Donner cut, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to there. Uh, so I like, but the, also the little things, Richard right? Like Lester two things, is a time traveling Zack Snyder confirmed. This explains a lot. <laughs> uh, but there's two things I really like. So I like where non just like smashes him underground and you don't see them fighting for obvious that. reasons. I love that. I love that you just see the effects. Yes. Like that is awesome. It's great. Because like 
it shows like, oh man, the power. And then you just see Nan fly out and like go through like the building. And I think the building doesn't collapse. And I like that part of it. You see, like, I like when Ursa like literally just kicks the thing to like catch the, the, the sewer cover and like throws it at him. Like that's an ingenious usage of the powers versus just again, flying punchy, flying window smash, you know, building fall. Um, I love that. I love that Superman, like you said, it has to be creative in his use. When Zod is using his heat vision, he grabs a mirror, it flips it and like uses it to like reflect back on him. Smart move. He's using his ice breath, but it's a struggle and you see that. You also see him saving people. Even the line, don't do it the people. Why was that not a man? Like just have those moments. This is such a great Superman fight because it's him not just fighting three people stronger or three people with his powers and he's outnumbered, but he's also struggling to keep up to help people and save them. Yeah. And I love it's that. It's a real the, test of his limits. Right. Yeah. And I think that's so well done. I think that's great. And you see, you know, the Daily Planet staff watching what's happening, and I think it works really well. And I love also the the they they also try they also do the Spider-Man scene here where it's just like they killed Superman. Let's get him. Yeah. And it's just like this goes about as well as you thought it would. Yeah. And like Zod and Ursa yeah. not just not even just like you're not even worth these metropolites. You mess with one metropolite, you mess like, with, you all, mess of with us. all of us. <laughs> and like you just see them literally just like you're barely worth our breath basically like they could have murdered all of them easily and they were just like please and just like creates essentially like a hurricane in the streets of metropolis and i love that in the lester version there's all these goofy scenes the phone booth falling over that's all cut because it's a serious moment of just like look at the destruction these three are causing right now it is wild and so all of that I really like. I actually really love this fight scene. I love the little details. I love that it's creative. I love the various things that happen. And then when Superman does come out, he's just like, ah, this is bad. And so he flies off because he's trying to lure them away Correct. very clearly. And again, because he needs to get them out of the city and help the people. And I love that. Once again, showing Superman. Um, and when they, again, another difference, when they show up in... Oh, you also have a little more Lex Luthor in in the fight. Like he's like literally in the Daily Planet, lying on top of cabinet, like like kind of like sitting back on top. And like Jimmy comes in and is just like with coffee, and it, like Lex grabs it, and uh, Jimmy's like, "That's for the chief," and he's like, "Chief's right here, kid," and he just like drinks the coffee. That's great. But like, there's a lot of like fun Lex Lutherisms, and so they they come back into the Daily Planet, and they're like, "We did it, he fleed." And of course, there's a conversation where Lex is like, "Fleed? What the hell, man?" Um, and what I like though in this, it's in the Lester version, it's just like, he fleed. It's like, you promised to kill him. Okay, fine, we will. Whereas in this, Lois and Jimmy and, and Perry are just like, Superman fleeing? I don't think so. There's clearly more here. And Lois basically just being just like, you didn't defeat him. If he's still if he's still alive, he's never going to stop. He will come back and try again and again and again. So she like, basically, she, she tricks them into being like, you got to pursue him. Yeah, and I like that, right? Like, emphasizing the point that, like, no, like, he he's... No, <laughs> like, you know? And so that, of course, compels them to be like, fine. The, like, and that's just like, well, kill these people. And Lex is like, I know where he lives, though. And so that's where you go to Fortress. Now, I want to hear you talk about the Fortress. Scene. Yeah, because there's, like, some trippy-ass shit. It's very... It, I, I, what is going on? Because then there's all the duplicates, and then they disappear, <laughs> and then the holograms, there's a 400 Superman, and then, like, and then the, and the Kryptonians, they also do this thing, like, where they, like, mirror reflect, and then they, like, they're, like, here, and then it's, like, fring, fring, 
frang, frang. And like, it's a kind of like the sound design is very alien. The whole thing, I feel like now, like, did I ingest something? But like before I watched this that I wasn't aware of, like, what am I seeing? I was so confused because there's just like the like the constant teleportation of all of these different characters with I don't think any explanation for it at all. None. So um, I feel like what's going to work here, too, is like we're just going to run through the Lester version before we'll just back up to do the Donner. Yeah. So, so I'll, I mean, very quickly, they go they get there. Superman's there. Then the three Kryptonians like do this thing where they like they like teleport to to Superman's location <laughs> and then he teleports away and then three super four Superman appear uh, one by non one by Ursa. Uh, this is after, uh, this is after Lex, uh, is this before or after Lex? This is before. Okay. So this is before. This is before. Yeah. 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 So th- there's four of them. And, uh, the real one is by Zod, even though, uh, Zod thinks that he's a fake, uh, and then Superman is about to crack Zod's neck. I'm telling you, he's going to yeah. kill him. And everyone's like, don't do it. We'll kill Lois. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, fine. And then he goes to Lex Luthor and Lex is like, I, I hate these guys. They keep telling me they're going to kill me. At least with you, I knew where I stood. He's like, all right, cool. This is Superman. Superman's like, okay, cool. Well, then help me get them into this chamber, because if we get them into the chamber, we can zap them with their powers. And Lex's like, put them in the chamber! You'll get rid of his powers! <laughs> and Superman's like, what the hell, bro? And so they put him in, but it's but uh, like Superman has finally learned how to lie, uh, and so he's lied to Lex Luthor. He's fighting fire with fire. He goes in the thing. He's the only one immune from the power. Everybody else gets blasted with this uh, uh, Kryptonian power robbing doohickey. Uh, and uh, Superman kneels before Zod and grabs his hand and breaks it. Uh, and I love that moment, though, right? Because like he does it and then the, the score kicks in. Yeah. I just love it. The score kicks in. He's just like, ah! And he just grabs him and lifts him up it's into the so air. so great. And so, like... <laughs> Uh, non drops and Zod is gone, and then uh, you're a pain in the neck. And I I visualize pickles, pickles. as Lois Lane drops Ursa, and so they all fall into the crevasses of the Fortress of Solitude. They're without their powers, so Kevin just presumably they just like fall to their deaths and just like shatter at the base of the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> So this is one of those things. That I, I, I don't mean, know that's just sort of like what I'm visualizing. Is they just like everyone, fall a great height and they just are obliterated. That's what everyone goes with, right? Like th- they just died, right? And <laughs> I don't know why this isn't in the Donner cut, and it's not in the Lester version even. But there is a version that was shown on TV that does have a scene. I don't know why they didn't include this in any of them uh, moving forward. That actually shows Zod, Ursa, and Nan now powerless being arrested and taken away by the police at the end of the movie okay because they have no more powers yeah um so the confirmation that they're like they're not dead uh, which i do think like having a confirmation is like they're not dead because like otherwise i prefer, yeah, they I prefer my version where they're just they're like dead. they're just like battered like mushy bone and sinew <laughs> at the bottom of the fortress of solitude gross yeah i mean like, what else like they get arrested it's sort of weird but okay i guess live, they go to jail they have they, sure. uh, they committed war crimes live to fight um, another day yeah but like so, so that's the like, that's the theatrical uh version of the climax yes. of the movie yeah, and I'll probably even run through a little bit more here because, like, there's stuff here. 
it's not just like do they do the weird thing with the teleporting and the multiple superman but there's also a weird scene where they're all like point at superman their fingers and like like weird like white laser energy shoots out and he like has to get it then reflect it back but the one that you skip that everyone calls out because it's Frickin' bananas! Is he peels his s off and throws it? Oh at Nod, yeah! And he like throw, and he, he comes, throws like a like a fruit roll up onto Nod. Yeah, and then it just it's only for like half a second where it wraps Nod and then disappears, and it's just like, well, what was that? Is Why? there any sort of precedent for that? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. just precedent to none of this all of this stuff happening right are weird non-kryptonian stuff that we've seen there's even a line he says where he's just like when he did the the multiple versions of himself he's like we used to play this game as kids and i'm like with who and where like you grew up on earth remember like you were a baby on krypton you never did this so like all of that was just super weird and did not make any sort of sense and it was like weird what are these kryptonian powers these never existed uh so i really didn't like it. The cellophane stuff especially is just like, what is this nonsense that's happening here? Uh, you could have even, like, in the comics, he has Superman robots, but of course they never introduced that stuff here, so, like, the duplicates can't beat that. It's it's a weird, messy scene, but it plays out as you're saying, right? Where that's, he, he uses Lex, he tricks him, and even just to, like, flash through the end, because there's a lot of details that do change after this, so we might as well go to it. Um, they essentially cut away from the fortress after they're defeated, after he uses Lex to, to help him, basically, um, and is just like, no, Luther, you're also going back to jail. Right. Um, and then they cut to, like, there's nothing beyond that besides cutting, essentially, to the Daily Planet, right? No. They're back at the Daily no, Planet. No, I mean, so he goes to the Daily Planet and he wipes Lois's memories. Right. But the Daily Planet scene... There's going to be a severe contrast into, like, okay. what they do in Donner Cut. But, but, like, this, what happens to Super Kiss, right, is essentially, like, Lois just being like, oh, no, you're Superman, and I don't, I'm so worried all the time, and I really don't like I it. I hate it, too. I think it's terrible, and, like, uh, the way it's presented in the movies, he's just, like, making the call to, like, uh, you don't get to remember any of this uh, without, like, any kind of conversation. And but that, But then the other thing is, like, the movie just ends also with him just going back to the diner and kicking the shit out of Rocky. Which and, honestly, he ju- and he junks up the diner and gives them like a, a fat stack of cash to clean up the mess and like I do like that he paid for the damage yeah it's, but like, like I actually like that scene but a little like, bit Superman should have shouldn't have had to like uh, he should have had to do all of that that felt like very petty it felt like very I know, petty see, I so like there's there's been a lot of conversations about this it feels scene, like right? he's and, like like he's like taking it like he's he's going back to like like it, it's vengeance. Uh, more so than justice, because if it were justice, he would take him outside and like and and uh, and get him, you know, either arrested or whatever in a way that doesn't do damage to this establishment that even with a fat stack of cash. Now that fat stack of cash has to go towards fixing this inconvenience that Superman has left them with rather than just giving them a fat stack of cash for being great and making good food and being good people. I mean, to an, okay, like, yes, but I, this is the parts that I, I still enjoy, and I think that, like, it's a little bit petty for sure, but I always feel like it's a, it's one of those things I point to, it's just like, right, but remember that the Superman we see when he's in that costume isn't always who he is. Clark Kent, the kid from Smallville, right? He had a bit of this in him, and I, I'm okay with that, right? I like that he didn't beat the guy up. He basically stood there, the guy tried to punch him, and, like, just broke his hand, basically, because he tried to punch Superman. And then he just, like, sits him on top of the counter and, like, shoves him, and, like, he does smash the pinball machine, but he doesn't do 
severe damage to the place, and he pays for the damages that happened previously. He, I mean, I like he breaks that, a lot of silverware and plates, and he breaks the pinball machine. That's not going to be easy to fix. Someone's going to have to clean up the mess. <laughs> for some weird reason, Superman also showed up later and took care of all this. That would be fine. Him. That would be better. You know, Superman shows yeah. up and he fixes the place. Like, fine, then I'm good. But, like... He's just leaving them like with all of this junk. It's kind of a shitty thing to do. I'm not bro- the movie doesn't break for me. And let me be right. clear, even the Lester cut, I really loved watching this. I do want to make that clear because I know we're doing like a lot of like pick apart, but I think like it's it's useful. Um, but like I loved the movie, like both of these movies, yeah. uh, you know, the first one and the second one. I really enjoyed them both, and it, it's just been tremendous to go back and 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 check this stuff out. There's just like a few nits to pick, and this this one being like the final like tone note of the movie for me was like what an asshole like i'm it's not necessarily mad about yeah. it but like what a dick it's it's funny that you hit on that because it is a contentious point amongst many many people yeah. and like i do think they could have probably done it better um but we'll get to that so that's essentially because like the, the theatrical cut also version we need to talk about he that. flies off around the planet it's how he always does it so let's back up for a moment here's where the donner cut differs one That entire weird-ass fight in the Fortress of Solitude does not happen. We don't get to see these weird powers. And I actually like that because, one, those weird powers are goddamn weird. They're so strange. And, two, I like that because Superman did fight them. And he realized, like, I'm not going to be able to beat these guys. And the only way to beat them is to outsmart them. So when they show up, his intent was already there. He knew what he had to do. And like you actually see him when he emerges, he's emerging from around where the crystal, where that little chamber is, because that was his plan to begin with. And Zod basically says like, when they show up, he's just like, yo, we fought, you lost. Like, there's no point in us fighting again. And Superman is just kind of like, you know, I won't stop if I, you know, I'm not going to surrender to you. And he's just like, listen, if you don't, we're just going to tear apart every human on this planet starting with this one as he points to lois you know and lois is like yeah like 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 pull her like a chicken wing or whatever and it's this idea of superman's like no don't do that and it's just like i'll let you live superman because i don't want to kill you i want you to you know serve uh, be in servitude to me like do what do what jor-el should have done correct he's like that's what i want from you so if you want to save these people, all you have to do is kneel and swear servitude. And Superman's, uh, and then like that's the part part two. It's just it's literally a conversation, and everything Zod's saying is making sense in the context of what he's setting up. Like we fought, there's no reason we should be doing this. I like that. I like that it's a dialogue versus the fight that we saw. And then that's yeah, where you have I needed the Lex that. Moment. I needed that from Zod. Yes, I didn't get I didn't is... get any of that in in the theatrical, and so like Terrence Stamp is great, and like the like the physicality of the Kryptonians is great, but I I really did feel like I missed anything that was really deeply connecting them emotionally back to where they were at the start of the original Superman movie. This yeah, sounds like this, that, this addresses that. It does. And this is where you have them also be like, great, uh, kill this one. Then we don't need him. And Lex is like, come on. And that's where you have the moment where Superman does the thing. But Lex be like, get him in this chamber. And then Lex is like, don't go in there. And Superman does like you snake or whatever. And he's just like, OK, you know, you go in there. And Superman, like in the theatrical, he's just like, OK. And he does it. In the Donner cut, once again, he's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. And it's like, fine, kill Lois. And 
he actually like lunges at them and you have like non grab him. So you actually have Superman struggling to really sell the idea that going in that chamber is bad, which I like because it also emphasizes like the trickery of it, right? Like emphasizes the small details of really fooling these three into like, oh, he definitely doesn't want to go in there. It must be bad. You know what I mean? Like really selling the lie. That the rest of it then plays out very similar where he goes in, there's a scene where he crushes Zod's hand, like all that happens. And then they have the exchange with Lex, which is like, oh, you, oh, you smart little man, you know, you used me, you know. And he's like, yeah, I knew you'd betray me. And again, I love that Superman wins by outsmarting. I think that's great. I think that's fantastic. Uh, And then the biggest, biggest difference. So after that fight's over, Superman and Lois exit the fortress and they have a conversation as Superman and Lois. And they talk about like, look, you know, like Superman's like, I don't think this is going to work as a relationship because I got to be Superman and the danger. And Lois is like, look, I don't really agree with that, but okay. And the entire time Lois is like being her jokey self. Like she's cracking jokes, but crying. And I love that we're seeing again, the character of Lois Lane, who she's supposed to be, where it's like, she is a strong-willed person. And she's just like, okay, if that's what you want, fine. I'm going to make these jokes, but clearly I'm broken apart on the inside of all this and he you see him fly her back home he drops her off on the balcony where they first had their night together like that like in the first movie to call back to that they have you know the conversation and he's just like i'll see what works still at least and she's just like sure and she's clearly like a mess but again keeping that strong face and i love it i love it because that's lois lane and the best part so he flies up and she and he leaves and even though lois lane is heartbroken, upset, and has gone through, like, some severe trauma, she sits down at her typewriter and starts writing a story about Superman saving the world because she's still a reporter, and she's even in this state, she's like, I'm gonna do my job, and I'm like, this is Lois Lane! Like, after all, like, versus what we get in the the Lester cut, which is going to the Daily Planet immediately, and she's just like, I stayed up all night crying because, like, you were gone, and what am I to do? Like, I was just like, oh my god, like, it's just such a different look for the character, you know? So she doesn't get her mind wiped. So, no. So, what happens is that she sits down to write the story, and you see, like, Perry White go pour the toothpaste. And this is the point, and again, I don't love it here either, but this is the point where he does the time okay, reversal. Yeah. This is the point where he's just like, I have to fix this. And it's not to fix Lois, it's to fix everything. I screwed up real bad, and I need to fix this mistake. And so, what happens is he reverses time, and to create a situation now, where everyone, no one remembers anything that happened. The, you know, the, the, the Earth gets back to normal, at least. But he still remembers all the consequences and terrible things that happened because of his own selfish decisions. And I think that's at least something good, you know? Um, so the reversal of time for me still doesn't work. Personally, again, uh, I would prefer it if Lois and Clark both remembered. You also do get another scene where after he reverses time, Lois and Clark go, are back, like he's back at the Daily Planet and they do a banter moment. And it's the bantering we saw from like the beginning of this of the Donner cut, where they're friendly, they're jokey, and she's just like, oh, Clark, I, I thought I had, I thought I remembered something, but I don't know, it's gone. She's like, hey, do you mind getting us some pizza? And he's like, sure, I'll uh, and she's like, I'll chip in and help you pay for it. And he's like, okay, and he starts to walk away and he's like, Lois, and she's like, yeah. And he's like, never mind. I'll pay for the whole pizza. Don't worry about it. And as he's walking away, she goes, thanks, Clark. You're super. 
And like, it's just like these fun little moments with them that I'm just like, this is so much better than like where we ended up in the Lester cut. And so, yeah, you, you then see the, the diner scene does happen pretty much shot for shot. What's weird about this, by the way, though, what makes it worse is that in this version, the it guy never it did never anything. Happened. Yeah, right. So that is very, very complicated in Donnerka. But that's how it wraps. And they do the fly off into the space and everything. And that's. That's where this movie ends, but, like, especially the scenes, like, there's just, they do Lois so much better in the Donner cut than they do in the Lester cut. I think she's much stronger of a character. I love the detail of her sitting down, heartbroken, but still writing the story, like, because that's who Lois Lane is. I love the banter we get with them at the Daily Planet afterwards versus, like, the, you know, emotionally wrought, upset Lois and Superman kisses mind wipes her like there's just so much better in terms of what they do with character and story in the donner version in my opinion than the lester cut and don't get me wrong like as josh said listen i love both versions of these movies like i love these movies it's just crazy how much better in my opinion the donner cut is compared to the lester cut so how much better are both of these cuts than what we are getting into next week? Superman oh three coming up, which I, is <sighs> of the, of the four Christopher Reeve Superman movies is by far and away the one that I have the least recall on. I'm so glad you said that. Here's my, it's hot not take. even close. I think, I think you're going to love it. Okay, great. That's my hot take. <laughs> I think you're going to love it. Uh, I'm really, really excited to get into that one. It's, it's we're about to get into a different movie because like you, we talked about the little things about the Lester version, right? Because the, the Salkins were now in charge that it's more sillier and, and they have more goofy moments with Donner completely gone with them starting from scratch with no previously used footage. Imagine how this movie's going to go. These people who wanted this, this, this stuff to be silly and goofy. You can, you can probably figure out where we're going to be getting in this next one. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I have, I really have like, I, I, we talked about how like, there's like a thing. I remember the thing, but I don't remember the context for the thing at all. I just know the gift basically. Uh, so like, why does that happen? What does that mean? I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty hyped to get into Superman three. Cause I, I've maybe, not seen it. It's possible. It's possible that like I've only like seen like you've bit- only seen gifts. It's, po- it's possible that I've only seen bits and pieces of it on like WB eleven on Long Island when I was a kid, uh, and like didn't sit down and watch the whole thing. Definitely sat down and watched all of the first one and the second one, and definitely the Quest for Peace. Uh, but I don't know that I've seen three top to uh, top to to bottom. So that's going to be utterly incredible that's coming your way next week on everything is superman as we're continuing this adventure i'll say for me superman one then superman two that's how i'm ranking them i don't think that it would have uh, i would have expected it to be that way but having watched this one i just think that the first one's a little more pure for me and there's really only the one thing that i have a huge problem with in this one there's a few things and it sounds like there's a better version that i haven't seen it might be different if i had watched donner this week instead of uh instead of lester yeah, for me, it's it's weird to end up in that spot, but I do think on this watch, like, one, I do think I like one more than two, which is I would not have expected at all. But definitely, if for the Donner Cut, the Donner Cut's the best one of the three, I think, by far and away. But I do, again, em- want to emphasize, like, it's so much fun talking about these movies. The- Superman 2 had such a lasting impact. We-, we talked about the stuff from the first one, that, like, the fortress and how all of that looks. I mean, you got so much in here, especially with Zod, Ursa, and Nan, like, as... 
quintessential Superman villains, and it's entirely because of this film. And they're great. Um, like, no mistake, they're, they're so, very great. So good. And even, like like I said, I love Lex in this one. I like him possibly a little bit more uh, than the first one, um, because I think he works so well, and his exchanges with Reeve and his exchanges with uh, Terrence Stamp are so good. Gene Hackman does such a great job. And the 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 the, the horrifying scary nature of those villains are so great and in the donner cut especially like there's so much great superman and lois stuff like lois as a character is done so well in the donner cut possibly better than any version i've seen of her um because of the little details the banter between them her her like attitude about certain things again the, the like ending stuff i think works so much better moving her away from like this sort of like heavily silver age version of the character which was more like always wanting to be superman's girlfriend a little more you know like that's the only thing she cares about versus the real version that tracks from the first movie back to this one and the original golden age and now modern day interpretation of it like this is so great for them and that scene again that scene in niagara falls is such a the defining thing about these those two characters superman and lois i think is in that scene in the donner cut um so i i just i really love these movies i i adore them obviously they have impacted me greatly and it was so awesome talking about superman 2 especially and getting an interesting perspective from it um so yeah i'm curious what other people will think of it especially afterwards and i'm curious to hear their takes on on these two versions but if you have the opportunity i highly highly recommend watching the donner cut all right so check out the donner cut if you can uh hit us up with some feedback we're not getting into feedback today but we'll have room to do it next week for superman 3 for sure so we'll want your superman 3 feedback but we might want your feedback for either of the two superman 2s as well super at post show recaps Dot com. That's super recaps.com. You can also hit us up. Uh, Josh at posterrecaps.com. Kevin at posterrecaps.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at round Howard. That's me at Kev Mahadeo. That's Kevin at posterrecaps. That's post show recaps. You can also talk to us in the post show recaps patron discord. If you are a patron at the discord level, uh, we certainly appreciate everybody who is able to join us there. Patreon.com slash post show recaps. Both Kevin and I are severely available. Uh, should you choose to sign up at that $10 a month level to join us in the discord, you can hang out with Kevin and I will talk to you about Superman until we're both uh, blue in the face uh, with the red trim and the yellow insignia right in the middle of the face, as well as if Superman tore it off his chest and threw it on top threw of us. us. Exactly. Uh, if you're able to sign up at that $5 level as well, you'll get bonus podcasts in the post show recaps, patron feed, including those mighty ducks podcasts that Kevin, is currently doing with melissa woodward so much more uh if you need more kevin than that you can go to uh the mahadman.com mm-hmm. check out all of kevin's rantings and ravings over there uh until then uh, next week superman 3 a movie kevin thinks that i'm really gonna like i don't know what I that do. i don't know what that says about me is it okay? It'll say a lot. Okay, great. <laughs> cool. Wonderful. All right. I'm looking forward to Superman 3. We'll be back next week with that podcast. Until then, everybody, up, up, and away! 
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.